0: It's Friday, March 8th. Welcome to our new podcast, Skim This. Every Monday through Friday at 5 p.m., we're breaking down the biggest, most complex stories of the day and giving you the context on why they matter. Today, we want to look at how judges hand down sentences and for how long. We'll explain the rules for federal guidelines and how they're tied to Paul Manafort's case. Then another court case for Chelsea Manning. We'll give you what you need to know about her and why she's going back to jail. And we loved all the calls we received last night, so we'll be sharing your nominations for Woman of the Week. We're here to make your evening smarter. Let's skim this. We're going to start out with a story that was still up in the air when we went live yesterday. The president's former campaign chairman, Paul Manafort, was in federal court to be sentenced. You remember from yesterday. Manafort has been convicted on eight counts of bank fraud and tax fraud. He had hidden $55 million in overseas bank accounts and he still owes the government $6 million in taxes. Prosecutors were asking the judge to give Manafort between 19 and 24 years in prison. Manafort's 69 now, so probably for the rest of his life. That recommendation was based on federal guidelines. But this federal judge ignored the prosecutor's recommendation and those guidelines. He said that Paul Manafort's crimes were very serious, but that he had otherwise led a blameless life. And even though Manafort hasn't apologized or acknowledged his screw-up, the judge sentenced him to just under four years instead. The response on cable news, in real time, was this. We understand the courtroom prosecutors had a look of astonishment on their faces. As a former prosecutor, I'm embarrassed. As an American, uh, I'm upset. Paul Manafort got the special, clubby, Washington, elite, friendly treatment. So clearly, Lots of people were surprised, but people are also upset about this prison sentence specifically, for a complicated reason. It's not just that the judge ignored guidelines. It's that he's allowed to do that, but just in certain cases. So today, we're going to look at the sentencing guidelines that judges get and how this case ties into the debate about mandatory minimum sentencing. We're looking at, one, how federal judges decide how much jail time someone gets. Two, what the backlash has been to the sentencing process. And three, what's being suggested to change it? Okay, so how do federal judges decide how long someone should be in prison? When it comes time to sentence someone to prison, judges read something called the Federal Sentencing Guidelines Manual. It's like their how to judge handbook, but it's really just a rough guide. They can still do their own thing. That's why Paul Manafort ended up with a short sentence. His crimes were serious, but the judge didn't have to sentence him to at least 19 years in prison. But judges don't always have that leeway. Some crimes are considered so serious that lawmakers say judges shouldn't get to decide how to handle it. That's where mandatory minimum sentencing laws come in. Those mandatory minimum sentencing laws are written by Congress. Mostly they're for certain drug crimes or violent crimes involving guns or child porn. If someone is convicted of one of these crimes, they face at least a certain number of years in prison. For example, If someone with one prior felony drug conviction is charged with possessing 10 grams of LSD and wants to distribute it, that's 20 years in prison right there. Even if a judge personally disagrees, his or her hands are tied. To be clear, many so-called white-collar crimes like tax evasion don't have mandatory minimum sentences, not even serious ones like Manafort's. Which brings us to part two, why there has been a backlash here. Research shows that people mostly targeted by mandatory minimum sentencing are people of color who don't have a lot of money. Critics also say that federal guidelines overall are way too harsh for people who don't have money and power like Paul Manafort. Like Crystal Mason from Texas, who won judge sentence to five years in prison for voting. She had just gotten out of prison on a fraud charge and says she didn't realize that she wasn't allowed to vote. That brings us to part three there are proposals to make the sentencing system more fair. Last year, Congress passed a bill with sweeping changes to the federal sentencing system. It was called the First Step Act. President Trump signed it in December. The First Step Act lowered mandatory minimum sentences for serious violent and serious drug offenses from 20 to 15 years. And it gave judges more leeway to sidestep those mandatory minimum sentences altogether, depending on the situation. So Congress has been taking steps to fix the disparities in the sentencing system that can end up targeting people of color over white people. And it's been bipartisan. People from both sides of the aisle have worked on this. But things aren't totally fixed. Here's Senator Cory Booker on The Late Show with Stephen Colbert after the Manafort News broke. One of my friends says that we have a criminal justice system that treats you better if you're rich and guilty than if you're poor and innocent. So what's the skim? Manafort's sentencing brings to light a fight that's been going on for years about how to deal with the expanding prison population and how the scales of justice feel different depending on who you are. When it comes to Manafort, his drama isn't over. He's got another court date coming up next week and he'll be facing a new judge and up to 10 years in prison for witness tampering and other charges in the Mueller probe. Manafort could be serving his sentence in a federal prison in Cumberland, Maryland. White-collar prisoners there tend to have a lot of leeway People call it, and this is for real, Club Fed. Coming up, another court case that didn't go quite so well. We'll tell you the latest on Chelsea Manning after the break. So we've been talking about who spends how much time in prison. Earlier today, some big news dropped. Two years after being released, Chelsea Manning is headed back to jail, a federal judge found her in contempt of court, after she refused to testify before a grand jury that's investigating WikiLeaks. That connection, Manning and WikiLeaks, probably rings a bell. Manning is the former Army soldier who sent secret documents to WikiLeaks almost a decade ago. While the story is still unfolding, here's a quick refresher on the Manning-Wikileaks case. So first, who is she? Back in 2010, Chelsea Manning was known as Specialist Bradley Manning. She was an intelligence analyst in the U.S. Army and deployed to Iraq. While she was there, she had access to all kinds of classified material, including information about missions in Iraq and Afghanistan, and cables from the State Department that revealed diplomats were tasked with spying on both allies and enemies. She downloaded hundreds of thousands of documents. She said that she felt her fellow Americans were disengaged with the conflicts overseas and she wanted people to see what she saw. Manning tried to leak the materials to the Washington Post and the New York Times, but they didn't bite. So she sent them to WikiLeaks, the group founded by Julian Assange that published millions of restricted documents. Manning was arrested soon after and put in military prison. There was a lot of public outcry over the conditions of her detainment solitary confinement, in a windowless cell for 23 hours a day. She was court-martialed and charged with a lot of different offenses, including leaking military information, espionage, and aiding the enemy. The judge didn't find her guilty of that last one, but she was sentenced to 35 years in prison. The day after her sentencing, she announced that she was transgender and that she wanted to go by the name Chelsea instead of Bradley. Some people called her a whistleblower, Other people called her a traitor. Here's what Manning had to say. Are you an American traitor? No, I'm not. And I believe that I did the best I could in my circumstances to make an ethical decision. Then, right before he left office, President Obama commuted her sentence. And she was out by May 2017, after only serving seven years in military prison. So what's going on now? Manning hasn't exactly been lying low. She's become an outspoken activist and even ran for Senate in Maryland. This January, Manning received a subpoena to testify before a grand jury. She and her lawyers tried to block it. Because you see, in a grand jury process, everything happens behind closed doors. No judge, no defense attorney. Manning tweeted that all the questions she was asked were answered during her court-martial in 2013. And she's got nothing to add. Today, almost two years after she's been freed, she's back in jail and it looks like she'll be there until she testifies or when the grand jury decides its work is done. And now... I am taking up your challenge to nominate a phenomenal, trailblazing woman. We asked you to call in with a nomination for who you think we should honor as our Woman of the Week to celebrate International Women's Day. And you guys really came through. Emma Watson, Taylor West. King. But one in particular blew us away. Skimmer Jillian Priester gave us a call to tell us about her friend Gloria. Her name is Gloria Whitaker, but everyone calls her Sugar because she's so sweet. We spoke to Gloria this afternoon, and she said she was one of very few black female flight attendants back in the 1970s. Jillian says Gloria has a lot of stories to tell. She was discriminated against. She was picked up by police. She couldn't stay in hotels when she had layovers, and pilots would not support her. Gloria is in her 70s now and has suffered some health setbacks recently, including having a brain tumor removed. But Jillian says Gloria won't be held back and is now walking with a cane and getting better every day. She's just the most inspiring woman in my life, and I'm so glad that I could call and leave this message. Thanks for calling in, Jillian. And thanks to everyone else who called in, too. We really loved hearing your voicemails. For more about women who've done or are doing great things in history, check out our Women's History Month page at theskim.com. And that's all for Skim This. It's been a great first week of our launch, and it's all because of you. So thank you for listening and for all of your reviews. Be sure to hit subscribe and tell all your friends. We'll be back on Monday. And if you want to start your mornings with more news, check out our newsletter, The Daily Skim. It's everything you need to know to start your day right in your inbox. You can subscribe at theskim.com.